You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. I'm Georgia Hart, Principal Consultant at Middleton Executive and your guest host. I'm passionate about all things product and tech and can't wait to explore some amazing topics with Australia's top product leaders. Joining me today is Harry Wiputra, a product leader who is currently CPTO at High Pages and previously CIO, CTO at Campaign Monitor and Head of Technology at REA. Harry is passionate about creating a system of work to allow people to perform at their best. To do this, they need to get as close as possible to the customer and deliver value rapidly. I'm excited to talk to him today about scaling products and engineering teams using cross-functional teams, how that benefits the product, the customer, and the organizational goals. Before we dive in, Harry, do you mind just saying hello and taking a moment to introduce yourself? Hello, uh, my name is Harry. Uh, as Georgia has uh, introduced, uh, I'm currently the Chief Product and Technology Officer at High Pages, or commonly called as the C3PO, uh, which is cool. Um, look, um, you know, I've been in the industry more than 20 years, and uh, as Georgia mentioned, my passion is really to build a system of work uh, where people can be, can be the best they can be. Uh, and as part of that is uh, I take the joy and pleasure in seeing people grow uh, in in their roles, uh, responsibilities, but also in their, comp- in their competencies as well. And we've seen companies like Linktree, Pexa, Afterpay scale from 50 people to into the thousands in as little as two to three years. The speed that companies are scaling at is insane. And so I'm really interested to talk to you about why it's important to look at how organizations scale. How, because when they get big, we what we see happen or what tends to happen is people get bogged down in the organizational issues rather than focusing on the customer problems. So what does lean product management mean to you, Harry? Uh, look, lean product management, it's, uh, you know, different people might have different answer. Um, it's a combination of multiple theories, you know, uh, you know the, the Lean Startup uh, by Eric Ries or Lean UX or uh, Agile Movement and whatever. But really, in a nutshell, it's really how can we deliver value as quickly as possible to our customer and only build what we need in order to deliver that value? So the, the, the mantra that I always uh, use is, there's no point to build something so perfectly and so beautiful that no one's going to use. Uh, I much rather have something that people can use and get value out of uh, before we build it so perfectly and so beautifully. Yeah, and we've talked about startup culture on the on the podcast before, but can you explain um, again in your own words what startup culture is to you and and how that how you see that change in your in your role. Yeah, uh, look, um, to me, you know, a startup is, you know, you do everything you can, Um, you know. uh, One thing that startup has that, uh, you know, the corporates do not have is survival. 
uh, startup needs to survive. Uh, corporates have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. Uh, but startups always have a limited runway. And with that limited runway, what can you do in order to survive? But at the same time, in order to survive is how you deliver value to your customer. Um, and, and that's what is important. Uh, and what I like to see, you know, in a startup culture is that that resilience, that hustle, that uh, willingness to to do things in order, you know, uh, go out of your way and, and be proactive to in order to achieve the goals that is to deliver value to your customer. So what does a good cross-functional team look like? So, yeah, look, to me is in order to build that culture in a larger organization, uh, that, that building block, that, that foundational building, building block is a good cross-functional team. Um, so there are many ways of people scale uh, in organization. And when you go to the corporates, to the banks or telcos or whatever, you, what you'll see is layers and layers and layers of, of hierarchies in the organization. Uh, what I believe in is rather than building hierarchies, you know, what you need to do is you need to create more cross-functional teams. Uh, it's a, a cross-functional team is really a, a team, a collection of people with different skill sets that complement each other, uh, but has the ability to deliver value end to end in, uh, to, the, to the customer uh, with minimal dependencies on other teams. So just like a startup, uh, you, you look at it as a mini startup uh, and, and a, a company that can scale really well is the one that can do that basically by creating more of these mini startups within the organization that can operate autonomously, independently, uh, and deliver value directly to the customers. And so what are some of those foundations that you need to be able to create mini startups within an organization? Yeah, look, I think there are five different foundations that I usually uh, uh, say uh, in order to do this. Uh, so the first one is culture. Uh, the culture is super important. Uh, you know, um, one of the, the thing in, in, in startup is the, the, the main culture in startup is fearless. You need to be fearless. You need, you need to be okay making mistakes. Uh, and there must be a culture in the organization that mistakes is appreciated um, because that's how you learn. Uh, if there's a fear of making mistakes, people will not learn. And all people do is covering their ass, basically. Um, and also, there must be a very strong focus on the customer rather than on the CEO or the highest paid person in the, on, in the organization. Um, the, 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 per, the, the, the prioritization must be based on what the customer needs, not, not based on whoever has the highest pay is, is saying. Uh, and there must be also a culture of experimentation and learning within the organization. Um, we're gonna try something, we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna pivot and, and whatever. And so should be also a culture of growing people. Um, and because uh, in a startup, typically people grow with the organization uh, and you, you need to learn, you need to be able to learn and uh, the, the, the company also must be able to, and willing to invest in the people as well to grow. There's a very famous saying by uh, a chairman of Toyota, uh, A.G. Toyota. Uh, so he said, before cars make people. So before you're even thinking of making cars, build the people <laughs> because they will build good, good cars for you. Uh, and, and that's that's how I like to think. Um, and even as a leader, the culture has to change. The leader is no longer someone just, that just tell people what to do, uh, but leader is someone that inspire people. 
people that, that guide people, coach people, mentor people, and enable people. And that's that's from the culture point of view. Um, from the people point of view, um, your hiring strategy has to change. Uh, it's, it's no longer enough to just hire someone that has uh, the, uh, the aptitude, uh, but the attitude is important because in a startup world, you don't have the luxury of, okay, I need this, this capability. I'm just going to hire someone. You don't have that luxury. You have a limited runway. What do you need to do? You jump into it. Um, somebody must be willing to jump into it and then do above and beyond. Um, the, the, the principle I use there is usually called the T-shape. Um, so don't just focus on your area, but try to involve yourself beyond your area and care and build empathy uh, in your, in your cross-functional area as well. Um, and from the structure point of view, um, there's, a, there's a famous saying by Edward Deming, basically a bad system will beat a good person every time. Uh, and usually when I come to an organization, what I see is silos. I see uh, the marketing function. I see uh, the designer team. I see uh, QA team. Uh, and this is where the cross-functional team is important, which is you gotta you gotta mesh them together. Uh, you gotta make them into one team that has all those capabilities in order to be able to deliver value. Uh, and, and the trick in there is how can you slice your product and how can you slice uh, your your customer journey or experience uh, in slices that each team can feel that they have an autonomy and ownership on that journey, so they can do it. Uh, autonomously without depending on other teams. And, and that is the key in making this happen. Um, the, the fourth thing is process, um, which is how can you create uh, alignment uh, within the organization? Autonomy is important, but autonomy needs alignment. Uh, otherwise, you get chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and things that we uh, usually do is things like using like OKRs uh, uh, to create alignment from the top uh, to the bottom. Um, and also how you can create the feasibility in, 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 in the work that you do as well. Um, there's a lot of really good uh, literature or, or practices from Agile that, um, that that's quite common these days, you know, whether you use Kanban, Scrum, whatever, in order to make the work as, as quickly as possible. Um, how can you slice it uh, as small as possible in order to deliver value? Uh, and I think once you have that process in order that you can deliver fairly quickly to the customer, that will enable experimentation very quickly as well. And lastly, it's probably the hardest one to do. Um, and this is where a lot of companies tend to avoid uh, to deal with and struggle in adopting this way of working is the architecture. Uh, a lot of companies uh, have big monolithic architecture uh, which means every team is basically jumping on to the same code base, stepping on each other's toes. Um, as much as you want to create autonomy, they struggle because they share the same code base uh, and they're stepping on each other's toes. Uh, and what you'll see is dependencies everywhere. Um, so this is probably the hardest and the one that I've seen a lot of companies fail to, to attack. Um, you got to invest in, in your architecture. You got to break it down to the point that each team can feel like they have an ownership of the system that they create uh, and they don't have uh, dependencies on each other. And that's how you create autonomous teams. Well, that answers my next question. I was going to ask, can you unpack how leaders can give 
you know, people in their business and auto- autonomy. Because I think as a leader, what you hear happen is that it's really hard for them to delegate, or I guess as a founder to let go of the responsibility and trust other people to do the job that they need to do. Um, and I think that's where a lot of that autonomy maybe comes from, the word you know, micromanagement. You know, no one really enjoys being micromanaged, but to be autonomous, you can't be micromanaged. So it's great to kind of, I guess, go on that journey of breaking down the architecture. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> how, um, how do you think companies can keep that culture in place to avoid that big company bureaucracy? Because I think a lot of people tend to leave companies that have scaled because of the you know red tape the you know it takes a much longer time to get decisions made is there a way to stop that from happening as a company grows or is that is that just the inevitable oh look as companies grows you you can avoid um, some level of increased bureaucracy because it's getting bigger and bigger but I think that, that is the role of the leader. Um, so when I see leaders, what, what is their primary role? The, the primary role of a leader is to create a system of work where everybody in that, within that system can deliver their very best, can be their very best. Um, and a lot of companies, uh, instead of focusing on that, you know, focusing on adding more people you know, and, and throwing people into the problem, which actually create more issues uh, because of that, or... Um, uh, they, they're creating more processes uh, and are actually creating more problems as well. Um, what great leaders do is actually try to decompose the problems. Uh, and if we can decompose the problems into uh, a smaller size of problems that each team can own it, um, that's how you create a lot of this culture. Uh, and that takes a lot of uh, courage, a lot of discipline in order to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, the, you you gotta avoid that that the tendency of just trying to grow, uh, you know, and, and just throw people into the problem rather than fixing the actual system and environment. Yeah, so a few really good ideas there for companies to try and implement and. I think we could go even further and break down what those systems look like, um, perhaps in another episode. But I'd love to hear from you, Harry, about what has been some of your greatest achievements. Where have you implemented these systems and seen great results? Yeah, sure. Um, look, um, I've, I've, I've done this multiple times now at REI, Campaign Monitor, uh, and including High Pages. Maybe let me just talk a bit about High Pages. Um, so when I joined the company, uh, it was silent. It was literally there's a, a team of backend engineers, a team of front-end engineers, and uh, there's a team of designers. Um, even there were two product managers that sharing a pool of engineers. Um, and every morning they will be negotiating with which engineers can I take for the day. I'm just like, oh my goodness, uh, there's a mobile team as well. And then you know when I joined the company, I basically spent half an hour with every single person in product and engineering. And I asked them like, hey, what are the, I asked them three questions. Um, what makes you wake up in the morning and enjoy to come to work? And what makes you don't want to come to work? And if you were me, what would be the first thing that you change? And it was pretty clear to me, like there's a level of frustration within the organization that they feel like uh, they blocked all the time. Uh, and when I asked, okay, so what happened? I asked the mobile team, like, hey, if you need to make these changes in the in the in the mobile app, um, and you need uh, a change in the API, what do you do? 
I will go to the back end team and raise a ticket. And then what do you do when you, after that? I'll wait for them to finish the ticket for me. Okay. Why don't you do it yourself? And I said, well, I don't have the skill. I can't do it. So I, I need to depend on them. And, and that's when I see, okay, well, so this is the problem. There's a lot of waiting game. Um, yeah. There's a lot of waiting game. People just waiting on each other. Nothing gets done. Um, so one of my proudest moments in High Pages is how I transform all these silo teams and from that build a number of cross-functional teams that cutting across horizontally across all. And suddenly now we're seeing a bunch of new features, functionalities, maintenance, improvements to the system happening rapidly. How long does it take for you to go into a company and make that change? Like, obviously, it doesn't happen overnight, but, you know, to get people on board with this new structure in six months, a year, or is it how long is a piece of string? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it, it really depends on the company, uh, what, you know, uh, this, the, the culture, the people. The, so it, it varies from company to company. But there are low-hanging fruits that usually you can, can attack very quickly, like st the structure of teams. That's actually not that hard. It's actually not the hardest problem to deal with. Um, you, you definitely can fix a lot of those, you know, the, the, the structure, the, the process, the people very quickly. The culture might take a while, uh, but the hardest by far is the architecture. That will take years. So. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of companies shift from monolithic um legacy work to building out microservices um, I think when I was recruiting engineers in the last couple of years that's essentially all, what we've been recruiting for is people who can build microservices and break things down into bite-sized chunks and you are seeing a lot happier engineers because they're seeing the impact of their work and they're able to build things much faster and see the results of the work that they're doing much quicker which I think is really awesome. Yeah and, and that's interesting as well because it microservices is not the bullet, you know, the silver bullet to, uh, to, to, to the problem. Microservices actually introduce uh, another set of problems, which is the overhead in managing all those microservices. We're creating much more complexity now. I think, you know, uh, when a company chooses to do microservices, the question is why? Why? Are you following a fad? Or are you, is there a reason behind it? Uh, the reason why I think it's important to the microservices is because it enables these autonomous teams. Because now they can have an ownership of the systems that they build. And yes, there's a cost to it. There's an overhead in managing all those different microservices. But that's a trade-off that I choose to make rather than having a single monolithic that everybody's, you know, stepping on each other's toes. Yeah, and it comes back to that good old question in product management. Why? Why are we doing this? What's the benefit? Where's the value that we're adding? So, uh, yeah, it looks, like it looks like it all aligns. And what's uh, what's one of the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome in your career? Uh, yeah, look, um, typically um, the, 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 the hardest thing about this is to, to get people uh, on a journey. Um, and uh, typically, you know, I have to sell it upwards. Um, sideways and, and downwards, right? Um, uh, you know, uh, one of the hardest one is when, when I join Hypages, for example, and then this is what I sell to the engineers. Um, I lost about 15 engineers in the space of six months. Okay, that, that, that was hard uh, for me to swallow. Uh, and mainly because 
it's a common 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 objections that I have, which is like, dude, I've been building my career as a mobile engineer for many many years. Look, I'm not gonna suddenly become a full stack engineer, so I, I decide to leave, and that's okay. And that's okay. As a leader, uh, that's one thing that you know I need to you know I, I believe in my vision. I believe in this, and uh, I've seen this happen many many times, uh, and, and that's okay. And usually I see that, you know, uh, it's, it's better for that person. It's also better for the company uh, in the long run. And fast forward, you know, three, three and a half years since I joined the company. Uh, we've grown uh, when I joined the company is less than 50 people. Now it's just about 100 people. Uh, we've more than doubled. The team still producing and churning uh, out, you know, uh, values to their customers very, very quickly. Uh, we've scaled and, and it's working really well. Do you find that having um, a more cross-functional team with tech and product, that the product managers still get have quite a dynamic role in their positions? You know, they, you know, they're naturally having to work with lots of different teams. But how do you see that cross-functional teams affects the product management team specifically? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. I'm glad you asked that question, Georgia. Uh, so uh, probably uh, one of my biggest bugbear of product management uh, that I've seen typically in Australia is it's a project management discussed as a product management. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what product managers do is actually just connecting the dots between different people from different uh, departments. No, what a good product manager is, you talk to your customer, you care about the product, you think about the product, that's what a good product manager is, not connecting dots. Right? So to me, the biggest change in this is now the product managers have dedicated time to think about the product and work with their customers. Awesome. Well, look, I think there's a lot of ideas there that people are going to be able to go and start implementing, um, especially ones who are about to go through that big period of growth and potentially worried about you know, losing a few members of staff going through that. How can people stay connected with you, Harry? Um, uh, yeah, you can uh, uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name's Harry Viputra uh, or Twitter as well, H Viputra. Uh, what else? What else do I have? Yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter is probably the best. <laughs> we'll make sure we include those in the show notes. And lastly, what would be your one piece of advice for product managers? I think for product managers, um, like really care about your customers. Um, a lot of product managers I see uh, play the politics more uh, than actually um, care about the customers more. Uh, be courageous fight for your customers um, because when you fight for your customers you benefit the company as well i think everyone everyone should definitely have a listen to that even if they're not product managers (laughs) awesome harry look it was um, very lovely to speak to you today thank you so much you've been absolutely awesome thank you very much thank you georgia for your time thank you for listening to the product edge brought to you by middleton executive You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. 
Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.